Hi, welcome to the Whole Therapist Podcast. We're leaving out the theorizing and exploring this strange phenomenon of being a human and a therapist. I'm Kelly, licensed marriage and family therapist, working in private practice settings as a clinician and a clinical supervisor in the Denver metro area. And I'm Abby. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and the owner of a group practice in the Denver metro area. Kelly and I are both registered play therapists, supervisors, and EMDR certified. So we're both therapists, but this is not therapy. And we're both supervisors, but this is not supervision. This podcast is purely for fun. So for any ethical concerns on your caseload, please refer to your state laws and licensing boards. And please remember to follow The Whole Therapist on Instagram, Facebook, and subscribe on your favorite podcast listening station. For more resources, blogs, and consultation opportunities, visit wholetherapistinstitute.com. So come join our conversation while we explore the embodied experience of neuroscience and authenticity in the therapy room. Hi, welcome to the Whole Therapist Podcast. I'm Kelly. And I'm Abby. We're here today thinking about our podcast has been, maybe by the time this airs, out a full year. Yes. And so we've been sitting in Abby's office reflecting on the year of the episodes that we've done and really came to that we started recording in our office because COVID hit. And we've just been thinking about how this feeling is very familiar right now as here we are and things seem to be uh, just feeling like deja vu. I'm just making a face like, oh, yeah, (laughs) just feels really familiar. And I think the transition back to school, Mm -hmm. like there's just a lot of anxiety in the world right now. Mm -hmm. A lot of uncertainty that we're being asked to hold feels very familiar because it is related to COVID also. Some Mm -hmm. schools are banning mask mandates. Mm -hmm. Some are requiring masks. Mm -hmm. Some parents feel, it just feels really polarizing. Yes. And it's a lot. It's just a lot. You know, what I hear from people too, that just a year ago, we had people kind of telling us what we had to do. And now there's this kind of moral compass of folks making their own decision. Yes. There's no like higher power. I mean, I get the mask mandates and those things are kind of this higher power telling us, but it feels like it a year later, there's a little bit more choice. And that yeah. seems harder to have more choice. Because everyone has different opinions, but then they all affect one another. Mm-hmm. I was just sitting here t- sharing with Kelly, my, my longing is for us to be more communal, like in it together. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like there's some people have gone rogue. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really feel like we're in it together sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I will say in the therapy community, I think there's a collective, like, did you see that meme where like a therapist is standing in front of a tsunami wave? No. And it was, oh, we'll put it on the thing. It's like a therapist and it says like therapists that survived 2020 and then the tsunami is like 2021. Oh, yeah, 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 I did see that. (laughs) Yes. Ah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it's so true. It's like, I survived this. Why is this still coming after me? It's still a thing. Mm-hmm. It's still a thing. And one thing that has been helpful for me in my personal and professional life is to say to myself, I am not helpless. Yeah. I am not helpless. And so, damn it, Delta. But like, I can't, I have choices, kind of. Yeah. And it's been helpful to try to find some empowerment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gosh, when you just said that, oh, I have to share this. (laughs) We were in a team meeting over at the practice that I supervise. And we had done some art 
in the team meeting, it was more clinical supervision around the feeling that comes up when we are making progress or the feeling that comes up when we're not making progress. Mm -hmm. And one of the therapists on the team shared the most beautiful metaphor. Mm. And it has something to do exactly what you said. He said he watched this video where there was a baby elephant that was stuck in a hole. Mm. And they had tried and tried to get this elephant out. And I mean, every solution they could come up with, nothing was working. And then somebody started filling the hole with dirt. And as they filled the hole with dirt, the elephant would step on the dirt. And then the hole would get filled a little bit more and the elephant would step on the dirt a little bit more. And finally the hole was filled and the elephant had like stepped enough on this dirt that like he's now out of the hole. Oh my gosh. It was so cool. And it was about the clients have to help themselves. Yeah. Right. We have to help ourselves. Right. We can get support. But at the end of the day, like we've got to have some agency. I'm thinking about this metaphor, how you could probably extend it. Maybe this relates. The elephant sunk in the mud. Mm -hmm. The dirt is what betrayed him. Mm. And the dirt is what he needed to get out. So like relationships wound our clients, but relationship is what heals them. That is beautiful. Like I love that it was still the dirt Mm -hmm. that the elephant needed. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. It was so good. Well, he also had this thing where there was like this boulder Mm. in this valley and talking about how sometimes it feels like when we're not making progress it's just this heavy boulder in the valley and like there's no way like even if you put dirt like the boulder can't do anything so then I was discussing how can we look at our clients as elephants and not boulders Mm. yes you know because sometimes we can look at it and be like this client or even for ourselves like how can I find within the elephant Versus like feeling this big boulder. And heaviness, Mm -hmm. stuckness is Mm -hmm. what I hear. Yeah, I love that. I think it goes to some of the discussion you and I were having about like up to the edge. I'm just imagining like this elephant like Mm. on the edge of the dirt and like. Yes, can I read it? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to try to be really animated as I read this because sometimes I'm like, and then no one knows what I'm saying. Well, how do you repeat it or just go really slow because it's so good. It's really good. So it's from this book, If Women Rose Rooted by Sharon Blackie. It's really good. Um, And she says, we are all edge dwellers. I have always been drawn to the edges of things. The places where two things collide, where bog borders riverbank, where meadow merges into forest, where you stand in the margins of what is behind you and you look across the threshold of the future, the brink of possibilities. Will you cross? Edges are transitional places. They are also the best places from which to create something new. Ecologists call it the edge effect at the convergence where contrasting ecological systems meet and mingle life blooms life diverse and various unexpected abundant and unique so i just want to read the like last two sentences again mm-hmm. um, edges are transitional places they are also the best places from which to create something new ecologists call it the edge effect at the convergence where contrasting ecological systems meet and mingle, life blooms. Life diverse, various, unexpected, abundant, and unique. So I'm thinking about how contrasting ecological systems at at the edge, you know, before meadow turns into a forest. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about this is like, this is like us and clients. 
Yeah. Or the elephant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as we were talking before we started recording, we were kind of exploring this concept around getting to the edge of a client's heightened emotions Mm -hmm. or grief or pain, you know, and how do you go to the edge without falling in? Yeah, because if life is there, life blooms, nature, there's so much wisdom in nature, life blooms at the edge. So she's not talking about the bog or the riverbank. It's at the edge. It's the space between mm-hmm. is what we're talking about. It's all IPNB, interpersonal neurobiology. So the space between us and the client, when we enter their pain mm-hmm. or we have resonance, mm-hmm. this is where like healing, like there's life and repatterning of nervous systems and relationship. And it makes me think of a baby I forget what this one doctor, like infant mental health specialist calls it, but um, quiet learning was Mm. the phrase. When babies are so settled, I can think of all my kids, when they're settled and they're just kind of looking, Mm -hmm. they're alert, they're learning, they're Mm. connected to you, they have all their needs met and they're learning and their brains are growing in Mm -hmm. that moment. Yes. Makes me think of that quiet learning space where, like, there's abundance in life, mm-hmm. where we meet our clients, but don't fall into either other. You know yes. what you're saying? Mm-hmm. It's funny that you bring up infant mental health because, as usual, I was like, "Oh, the hands on the circle, circle of security. security. <laughs> They're at the edge of the circle." Oh, I love that. Right? They just me right... feel like I could cry. Yes. Yeah. They're yeah. just right there at the edge, and and that's where mm. we need to be. Yes. Because if the hands weren't at the edge, there's nothing there. There's nowhere for our clients to go. There's no one there to hold them or to encourage them to go out to the world and explore. Yes. We were inspired because of um, Cole Arthur Riley. She's a beautiful um, author that I follow, and she has a prayer. But whether you believe in a God, I think this is a beautiful mantra. Mm-hmm. We've, and you could go check out her um, page. is called Black Liturgies. And she was writing about something political, but I thought that this mantra really applies to clinicians. Um, is the page, when you say the page, is it on Instagram? It is, okay. yeah. Yep. And she has a website too. She has like an inhale, exhale kind of prayer. So it says, inhale, God help me enter their pain. Exhale without centering mine. Mm. Um, and she writes a little bit on when you feel helpless, when the world is aching. Yeah. And I thought of clinicians and our clients, yes. we, we can fall into helplessness. Yes. So how do we enter someone's pain without centering ours? Yes. And the world is aching right now. Yeah. And we're still in a spot of going through something similar that our clients are going through. Right. Most of us were having this kind of like community experience. Yeah. And that is what inspired us to begin talking about this today. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to not make someone else's pain ab- about you or somehow you've now become two circles on top of each other, this kind of enmeshment. And we were talking, Dan Siegel talks about this need for differentiation, meaning that we're two of those circles, but the middle is connected. So there's a we, yeah. but I also have a me and you also have a me. And that is hard because if we can't hold all the things that are happening within us, isn't Bonnie call it? Um, multiple states of mind. Yes. multiple. If we can't hold our own multiple states of mind, then it would be impossible to not make the client's pain ours. 
Yes. It would just implicitly happen. Mm-hmm. That has certainly happened to me. Yes, and me too. Yes. I think some ways that it can sound is, oh my gosh, I have a client that has a terminal illness. And what and why did this happen to me to have a mm-hmm. client that has a terminal illness? Or I have a client whose family member died and now I have to work through their grief and it's and I'm so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it becomes about us, like our pain. Mm-hmm. It's not that you can't be impacted or affected by your client's pain. I mean, that's empathy. Yes. That's resonance. Mm-hmm. What do you think it sounds like with a client? I guess I'm thinking through that. What do I think empathy sounds like with a client? Mm, no, like if, or if, what do I think sympathy? Yeah, sympathy or like, what, is that, what does that look like for listeners or new therapists or um, if we are making a client's pain hours mm. in session. Yes. I think that it's about, first of all, just being flooded with them yes. probably, right? So if they are either really rageful and you're you're also really rageful, and it's not this like matching their intensity, it's almost, uh, well, you're not providing co-regulation, no. right? Like there's a difference between matching energy but all at the same time, I guess it's a multiple states of mind, right? I can match your energy, having one foot in, one foot out. Mm-hmm. In the session room, it's you are totally unaware that there are two different people in the room. Yes. Right? So it's like I'm rageful or there's all this grief and like lots of crying. Yeah. Maybe even sharing how sad you are yeah. or how angry you are. Mm-hmm. But you've now taken over the session. Right? right? There's this line of being authentic and naming our experience so we can regulate ourselves. But we need to make sure that we're doing it for the benefit of the client, not for our own benefit. And if you can't hold multiple states of mind, it is so important to have a consultant or a mentor or supervisor that can like begin to build that awareness. Mm -hmm. Cause that's what I needed was people to help me see. I remember having a grief client And every session in my mind was about grief, every session. Mm -hmm. And it's not that grief wasn't a part of the like presenting problem, you know, but I remember my supervisor saying like, could it be true that it's something else for that client in that moment? Mm -hmm. It was, so it became about my grief there. It met a need for me implicitly to make every session about their grief. Mm -hmm. That might not be what the client is even talking about. Yes. Or bringing, can I hold that? Why was I fixated on their grief? I wasn't really having awareness. There's a whole nother nervous system in the room. Yes. Mm-hmm. It reminds me, I don't know if it shows up as much with adults, but I think it shows up a lot when working with kids. When a parent brings a kid in for a traumatic event and everyone thinks it's about the car crash. Yes. But actually the trauma that happened for the kid was the smell of the gasoline. Mm-hmm. And so here we are just so fixated on the car crash when the work was to be done around the smell of the gasoline. Oh, totally. But if you're not aware, mm-hmm. like I, I'm wanting it to be about the car crash for some reason. Mm-hmm. It could just be my left brain wanting to make sense of it. Yes. There's a rigidity. It's harder to not know. Mm-hmm. That comes up a lot in play therapy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we genuinely don't know, especially sand tray. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit there and interpret every tray. I'm going to look for themes over time. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to know even ever. Yeah. It's what's happening for the client. It's not about me. Yes. But that is hard when you're learning something new. We've talked about that. It's hard when we have to hold uncertainty. I remember when I was learning play therapies is like, 
what was it, 2013, like I just got out of school recently and this kid did something like repetitive with dinosaurs and here I am telling my supervisor like, and do you think that this means that and this means that? And she's like, well, there's that show because she had kids at the time. Well, there's that show, Dinosaur Train. It just sounds a lot like maybe they're talking about this show. (laughs) And that is what it was. And I just remember being so called out, like I'm wanting it to be about something. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're just like literally enacting a show and that can have meaning. Yes. But like, it's not my interpretation. It's not about me. Right. Mm -hmm. I think for some reason... What's coming for me as you talk about that is this like need to have these like juicy details. Yes. I remember being in group supervision and consulting on a client with complex trauma. Now, the client had shared just enough details with me, but never really had shared, you know, the, I don't know, I guess these major details that you might think some people would or names Mm or how people were connected in all these traumas. And the therapist um, in one of these consultations was like, well, why haven't you asked any of that information? Mm. Um, and I wish I could, you know, I really can't describe a lot of it because of confidentiality for sure. both the group and, but in that moment, the f- the feeling for me was like, I don't have to know that. Yeah. And if the client doesn't want to share that, then that's not important. Yes. Right there. Certainly again, it, I think it's both. Yeah. Is there safety enough for a client to share it? And can we hold that that might not be what's important or the most traumatic, these little details. And so are you asking for these for you or is this somehow going to help the client? And what need is that meeting for the therapist? Right. I think that's where we get to do some really rich, beautiful work Mm -hmm. as humans ourselves. When we center ourselves, our pain or our curiosity or anything like that, it's meeting a need for us. It's overwhelming the client's need Mm -hmm. like we're all of a sudden not we're not being we're not holding those hands Mm -hmm. anymore it's very implicit like it's subtle Mm -hmm. it doesn't always look like I had a therapist once that did her nails in session with with I was a client yes (laughs) it was like sometimes it's not that overt right right like the client the therapist is really just you know yes yeah no yeah and of course she was wearing like a cheetah print outfit like it just couldn't have been more ridiculous <laughs> like, I think that we have talked oh, about that on other podcasts yeah. just about how obviously how can you be present with a client when you're painting your nails I just felt so and for context like I was on Medicaid at the time mm-hmm. and so I didn't have a lot of choice mm-hmm. in who I was going to go see mm-hmm. and it's part of why for a while I accepted Medicaid in private practice because it just felt so wrong like mm-hmm. to be robbed of choices mm-hmm. yeah that was rough because I was pregnant and had a toddler and mm-hmm. I never went back after that she was painting her nails so anyway sometimes it's not that obvious right. like oh the, the therapist is making it about them right it can be much more subtle like we're focused on a theme that actually the client is not bringing to us that day yeah our left brains want to know Mm -hmm. and I think I'd be curious for you the listener what need does it meet when we do that Mm -hmm. can we really be with the part of us that is kind of stepping out of the therapist role and into our human Mm -hmm. like our strategy Mm -hmm. I know for me when I wanted to know those juicy details Mm -hmm. is partly I couldn't tolerate uncertainty Mm -hmm. and then it was also partly like because then I would know that they trust me 
and mm. I need to be needed. Mm. I need to be. Tr- I need to be the one to hold their story, mm. and I'm deeming like mm-hmm. there is this kind of savior, rescuer, almost maternal, but inappropriately. Yes, and that would come up for me. And when I could name that, like, oh, of course, I'm a parentified child. Of mm-hmm. course, that came up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what was the rest of that quote from that uh, Instagram page? It was another yes. kind of breathe in, breathe out. Yeah, she says, um, inhale, I am not the savior. Exhale, I am not the answer. Yes. It's that little elephant. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm not the savior. I'm not the answer. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes even with the uncertainty. So then what am I? Yeah. If I'm a therapist, but I'm not the savior or the answer, mm. what is a therapist? My mind just exploded. <laughs> it's like, whoa, I need more coffee. <laughs> I mean, for me, and we've talked about this, I think a therapist is a vessel that holds these things that clients bring into the room. I have to read something that Dan Siegel said. Yes. I just love that I can use his wisdom. He's talking about who are we? Do oh. you remember this? No. Yeah. He just, and not as a therapist, but he was like, who are we? Mm-hmm. And it got so trippy, like a little bit like I'm on acid, but it was amazing. You know, <laughs> he's like, who are we? Who I am is both a conduit and a constructor. A conduit is like a hose that allows something to stream through it. So when we hear the birds or see the ocean, it's a bottom up experience, conduition. I remember this. Yes. And then he says, walking the beach, like, let the conduit of who I am fill my experience mm-hmm. or consciousness. Mm-hmm. Who I am does not need to be limited to the boundaries of my skin and certainly not the boundaries of my skull. I become a larger part of the world. So that's one. He says we're a conduit. We let things flow through us mm-hmm. and into the world. And then the constructor is the proactive part of the mind that can imagine the future, be perspective, introspective. That's top down. And so I'm thinking as therapists, like, well, then we are both, right? If that's true of the mind as a person, mm-hmm. we both allow things to come, to stream through, mm-hmm. and we're constructors. Maybe that's a vessel. We mm-hmm. consciously ground and contain clients and hold their stories. And we allow their energy and information flow into us. Mm-hmm. But to flow through us. Yes. Not to stay in us. Yes. I just can't imagine what it would be like to think like Dan. I can't either. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It might be overwhelming for me. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> but he just speaks with such ease about very complex things. It's really impressive. Yeah. Our hope is that some of these kind of inhale, exhale mm-hmm. phrases, you might grasp onto one or two of them. And maybe if you are starting to get a sense that you have a client like this and and it has been very much about your own pain can you use one of these before they walk into session Mm. can you just take a a minute or two minutes just a moment Mm. before to ground yourself and and just a reminder of like one foot in one foot out i love that i'm thinking about a mirror you said a vessel Mm. i think we're both a vessel and a mirror Mm -hmm. to reflect their goodness yes Yeah, what other images come up for other people? Mm -hmm. We'd be curious to hear from you. Thanks for being with us.